curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Driven by the personal motto, helping shops succeed, Marshall Atkinson employs the many lessons learned from nearly 30 years spent in apparel decoration facilities, starting with his own sales efforts to help fund graduate school at Florida A&M through art direction and incrementally larger operations at some of the most well-known decoration facilities in the industry, and now at his own business, Marshall Atkinson Consulting, a practice dedicated to process improvement, strategic planning, systems management, sustainability, and creative art services to the apparel industry. Marshall's been a long supporter of sustainable production in the apparel decoration industry, serving an executive role in the Sustainable Green Printing Partnership, a devoted content creator living the Give First example, including his highly rated Big Idea podcast and his blog. He's also a promo kitchen chef, bringing the unique perspective of a decorator to the thought leaders helping educate and mentor members of the promotional products industry. And he's saved my bacon on a number of occasions when I was in a pinch and needed some help getting a direct-to-garment shirt out in a really short time frame. So thanks for coming on, Marshall. Hey, glad to be here, Roger, and happy to help save your bacon once again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, we, we got into some of those stories about uh, move, having to move pallets on and off your dock and all kinds of stuff like that, but we'll save all of that for another time. <laughs> That's better left than said, probably. Yeah, right. So, you know, <laughs> uh, we both obviously have a wide range of experience and expertise when it comes to apparel and and apparel decoration in our listener ranks. But I was really excited to get the chance to bring you on, you know, talk about that space, what you're seeing. That's maybe, you know, best practices and maybe some of some of the not so best practices that are going on at contract decorators in the industry and touch on your career pivot away from running one business and 
helping your whole industry as a virtue of your consulting business. So you all right, you all right with that as the context of what we want to talk about? Of course. All right, cool. All right, well, let's get into it. So, uh, you know, I've had a lot of experience working with contract decorators myself, you know, both as a distributor and then with my time at iClick Decorate. And I was doing that distributorship that was specific to, uh, to sports organizations. So, you know, I've done a lot sort of in that space. But like the promo industry as a whole, I believe that that space is populated mostly by small business people kind of operating their facility as both kind of like the production manager and in a lot of instances, maybe the only salesperson. So, I mean, is is that an accurate reflection of the space in your mind? Well, there certainly are a lot more smaller shops than there are the big boys. And, but let me tell you what I've noticed. uh, There, there, there always seems to be this, symbiotic relationship between the customer uh, and the cl- and the the client, right? So you've got the the promo distributor is going to cut a PO and he's going to s- send it to that shop where that shop is just some guy in his garage and might have two or three people working for him or somebody that's in a 100,000 square foot facility, which is kind of where I came from. Yeah. It's really the same. Uh, uh, kind of a process and what separates the two I think is really the organization communication and kind of business savvy that somebody might have. And just because they're a small shop doesn't mean they don't have the same tool set skill set as a, a larger shop. They just don't have, you know, millions of dollars worth of sales to have all the fund, all the toys. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just because somebody is a large shop doesn't mean that they're going to do a good job for you either. Right? <laughs> Gosh, isn't that the truth? Right? No, that, that's that's the God's honest so, truth. Yeah. So here's here's what I think. And sometimes, it, and I come from this from I used to do <laughs> I used to do the production. Right. That's what I was responsible for. Um, a lot of times there is this disconnect between the, the distributor that's given this the order to the shop and what the shop understands what they need to do. Yeah. And some of that's on the distributor and some of that's on the shop. And to have a really good, solid relationship, we need to work together as a partnership to, uh, to do better. So here's some examples I was just thinking about. Well, one is we don't have enough time, right? So how many times have you given an order to somebody because your client just gave it to you or you forgot about it or you thought you sent the PO in and, you know, it's due Monday and it's already Thursday, right? And you're hoping that shop is going to pull you out of the fire, right? right. That emergency isn't the shop's fault. (laughs) And so... A lot of times the the sales guy is going to get really upset that that shop is busy and can't fit them in. Right. All right. And uh, and the other thing is inventory issues. So a lot of people, uh, you know, drop stuff. There's PSST from Sanmar or whatever. But a lot of people also, and this, this is going to shock you, but they'll just go to like, uh, you know, Dollar General and buy up all the T-shirts and take it to a T-shirt <laughs> shop to get them to print it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they bring the shirts and garbage bags to shops. Right. With no packing. And then no, yeah, pack. no packing list. And then, oh, we're missing three mediums. Right. Well, how do you know? So there, there's that. And then how many times have people sent the wrong art file? I yeah. mean, it's not even close to the right art file well, or they didn't educate. Yeah. Go ahead. Help now. It's just like you're, you're, you're like, I'm all, all of my old nightmares are starting to, to come. <laughs> so well, I, I, I don't mean to create bad memories, but so my whole point here is just that, um, you know, sometimes it's the shop's fault because they're a hot mess of problems. Right. But a lot of times it's, how the order is being created, how it's being sent, the information that's given. Uh, you know, I've gotten purchase orders without a due date on them. <laughs> so when's it due? Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's just so, uh, you know, that that's kind of my response to your question is, I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm looking for knowledge. So I, what, what's interesting to me oftentimes, and I, I can't say I've not been guilty of this myself is, I've got a short timeline. I, I know what your guys' uh, typical, you know, standard turnaround times are. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get the garments going and on their way to you. I might not even have the art file yet. We we haven't proofed anything, but I I know I'm trying to hit this timeline. And so you know, you got stuff on your dock that maybe I don't even have a complete order to you yet, and then. Now I'm upset with you because, you know, you're, you're not, quote, working with me on trying to get this thing done in time because ultimately it is the due date that's the driver of what's going on. And I probably should have told the customer no because they didn't have the logo, but I wanted to order. So I went ahead and took it knowing full well that it's really going to have to be you that's going to bail me out in the end. Or worse yet, I don't even have the... Uh, I don't have the uh, software package to be able to evaluate the art file that I've gotten from the end buyer to even know if what they're giving me is going to work. So, you know, there's, so when I was getting all antsy, when you were replying, you know, I was thinking about those instances where, and I know there's people listening to this who have gone through this exact same situation. And it's a matter of, you know, just having the intestinal fortitude to be able to say to the end buyer, like, I'm not going to tell you you can't get this done. What I'm going to tell you is we've got to be much more buttoned up in what's going to have to happen in order for this order to occur and not put the onus on the decorator to make that miracle come true. Exactly right. And so it's really about, hey, Fred, thanks a lot. I appreciate the opportunity. Can I call you back in 20 minutes when I get some more information? Right. And exactly. then that's when you make the call to your guy, go, Hey, I got this great opportunity to help my client out. What is, how does Monday look? Right. What do you need to get this to go, get going? And then having that conversation. So there's a time frame. there's the expectations. This is what we're looking at. And they can say, I can't do it. or I can do it. Or the only way it's going to happen is if I bring my guys in on Saturday, I got to pay them overtime. So I'm going to have to charge you more. Is that going to be okay? I mean, there's a lot of scenarios that you could map that out. Then you can call the client back and go, Hey, thanks for the opportunity. Here's your answer. Right. Right. And then I, and I think that I think where people get into trouble is when expectations aren't clear. We're trying to drive our car, 
down the highway 100 miles an hour in a dense fog bank. Yeah. Hoping there isn't a deer on the road. <laughs> and, and, right? That seems like a lot of times that's how it looks. Well, or, or worse yet, you know, it's a 100-car pileup, and I'm just going to be the 101st car because I didn't do it different than the first hundred cars. Now, on the flip side, though, and, and I think it were, we would be unfair if we didn't at least touch on this to a certain extent. So um, I, in my sales organization, oftentimes I would hear this like um, the refrain would be some version of, oh, that decorator doesn't love me anymore. And it was the if the primary salesperson is also the production manager, oftentimes the production manager will be a good salesperson when the shop is slow. So, I, and even I would be witness to this sometimes, like a, a new decorator would be pursuing our business and do a really good job in doing all of what's expected from an outbound selling perspective. And then he'd get, he or she would get busy and I, w- I wouldn't get that same level of attention. And how that would mo- most often manifest itself would be in this service gap where I need confirmation that the goods were received. I need confirmation that it's been counted in correctly. I need confirmation that we don't have any shortages or mispicks or any of those things. And I just can't get the information that I need from the decorator in order to be able to pass that information along to the end buyer who's asking that same question. And this is really, really most of the time tied to when the apparel is going to be based for an event. So, you know, that person's hide is on the line. So they want to know, you know, the order's been placed, the goods have been received, you know, kind of everything that should be expected of when that piece of the supply chain is happening. And the most frequent refrain that I would hear from the decorator when we would be able to finally get that person on the phone was, well, I can do one of two things. I can either confirm for you that the goods have been counted in at 100% or I can make sure that your order goes out on time. So when, because now they're sort of having to move back into that 100% production manager role. So, you know, talk to us about in those instances, like how, how can a distributor faced with that kind of challenge, like where's the value add that the distributor might provide in a situation like that? Okay. Well, first off that shop that has that uh, bipolar attitude about what to do, that's my potential client as, <laughs> as a, as a coach, because I can teach them how to handle that. Okay. That's what I do. Right. Uh, it, so just getting that out of the way for a distributor, um, it's all about who you partner with. Right. So we, you know, we, we want to use the best people. We want to use that guy that's just down the street cause he's convenient. Okay. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best person for your business. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't want to throw my colleagues under the bus in the decorating decorating space, but um, you know, sometimes uh, we don't do a good job. Sometimes we're late. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing. We can't hit a Pantone color with both hands. I mean, we just don't we just don't do what we need to be doing. And uh, and. Where this industry needs to go, though, is to educate themselves and get the tools because you don't have to be a huge shop to do things right. Yeah, You you just don't. You just need to use the right tools, eliminate variables, standardize your processes. Uh, You can be a one-person shop. 
Okay. You can, you can, and you can do all this. You just have to be smart about what you're doing and do it the same way every time. And, and that's where a lot of people, they get all messed up. And uh, just because it's like juggling, not just a thousand balls, but chainsaws and live monkeys and bananas and babies at the same time. That's what it feels like, you know? Well, Um, in a lot of ways, uh, and, some of my colleagues in uh, some of the larger distributors taught, taught me real well as I was coming up to be able to, you really, when you're a distributor faced with the opportunity of engaging a new decorator, you need to ask a series of questions that are tied to what you expect from the supply chain when an order is in process. So what might that manifest itself like? So a question might be, sure, like my expectation is you're gonna be able to decorate well. And if you can't, then we're probably not gonna have any discussion. So let's, let's assume the decoration part of what's going on is great. So now to your point about standardization of process, I've got to ask you the question like, show me what an order confirmation looks like. How do I get that from you? When am I gonna get it when you know, from what amount of time from the time that that hits your dock until I get that order confirmation that it's been checked in complete, you know, what's that look like? All of those kinds of things. And if you're not asking for that kind of stuff in the vetting process of the decorator, you're sort of leaving yourself wide open for the kind of things that we're talking about. So why not have on your side, in much the same way as you're preaching to the shop, to have standardization of process? Why not at the distributorship have the same thing? Like, here is what the decorator decorator onboarding process looks like. And, and if you can't meet all of the things that I'm asking for, then we're probably not going to be a good fit. So, you know, I, I think in any relationship, there's responsibility on both sides of the fence. And we're clearly trying to reflect on that. And, you know, passing out blame is really not healthy or helpful to either side. And it's much more in making sure that from this process perspective, that each side has what their responsibilities are in the kind of shape that anybody would expect in order for that transaction to be a successful one. So, yeah, we'll, exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one be because I think we could do a whole hour just in that back and forth. So I wanted to ask, <laughs> I wanted to ask you another question. So, um, uh, uh, in the Amazon world that we're always hearing about and people are wringing their hands, one of the ways that that's manifesting itself is end buyers continuously are pushing distributors towards smaller quantity, you know, more on-demand orders, especially for the program business, right? So they want to have a lot of variety in their in their program. They want to be able to offer a lot of choice to the people who are wearing their logos and they're pushing the rest of the supply chain to be able to try to respond to that demand. So are shops organizing themselves to be able to meet that? And if they are, how are they doing that? And then like, where are you seeing the decorator business move in order to try to be able to respond to stuff like that? Well, uh, the decorated apparel space is made up of tons of niches, right? Uh, But what we're talking about specifically is just one, which is, helping the promo distributorship. Okay. And so this is company stores. This is repeat business. This is a program where they're going to be doing the same 
image on a shirt, whether it's embroidered or screen printed or die sub or whatever, for months and years down the road. Right? So what's typically happening is uh, apparel used to get printed in large volume quantities and get sent to a big warehouse. And then that brand would send that out to all their offices or stores or whatever throughout the country. So what's uh, the last several years, what you see more of, I'm not doing that 10,000 piece order anymore. What I'm doing is a hundred orders of a hundred, right? And uh, so we're going to be, printing these, boxing it up, and sending it to every single store in the country, and they all got to be there by the end of the month. Yeah. And we're going to have to also put in a poster and a magnet and a sales letter and some other stuff. So what's happening now, you're seeing more and more of these uh, kit packing things where we're doing a lot of bundling. Maybe there's a hat and a shirt or yeah. whatever. Um, and this could get really super complicated. You can have... What's the easy ones are just a spreadsheet where everybody's getting the same thing. The difficult ones is there's a spreadsheet and every single thing is different. Yep. And so the expectation, we just spent 10 minutes talking about how things can go wrong. <laughs> the expectation here for that decorator is I mean, it's tenfold what it was when they're just printing an order and shipping it. Now they've got all those other things we got to touch. Yeah. Maybe they've got to hang tag the shirt, so they got to poly bag the shirt. So they've got a there's some special thing that has to happen for that to happen successfully. I think the distributor really needs to understand that process and what it takes, especially the time component for it. So if you shortchange your distributor and don't give them enough time to adequately do the post-production, uh, they're not going to do a good job with that. And, um, and also, there's a, lot of these, there's a lot of costs associated with that that you need to kind of understand. Because every time somebody touches something, that needs to be included in the price, right? So if I'm just printing a shirt and I'm shipping it, there's a, that's it. That's, that's pretty simple. Yep. But if I've got to hang tag the shirt, and then i got to poly bag the shirt, and then I got to put a barcode on it so you can inventory the shirt. Okay. That's three extra steps. You can't assume that that's free. Exactly. Exactly. Just because it's some big order. Okay. There's a charge for that. And let me tell you, unless you've been doing that, that shop might not, it might be your go-to person and you just landed this account. They might not know how to do that. Yeah. They might not even have the right printer to print the barcode. Right. So they got to go spend 250 bucks or whatever for a new zebra printer to be able to do that. So it's one of these things where it really takes a good partnership and good communication and a good relationship because, you know, that guy that you're relying on to do that, he has to make his money, too. Sure. Yeah. And you, you can't nickel and dime that guy to death. Uh, and there's always some guy out there that's going to do it for cheaper, huh. you know, and I get that. But if you really value your supply chain and your partner, you have to realize that, you know, uh, how much is this going to cost and let's work through that. And this is what I have to sell the program for. If it's too much, what can we do? What are my options? Yeah. Uh, and work on arriving at that quote together 
And that's really, I think, going to be a good way to kind of help 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 yourself out. So, so I'm I'm hearing some stuff in there. So having having gone through the exact excruciating pain of what we're describing myself, I would tell you if I would have had the opportunity to start that over again, I would have spent far more time in discovery with the client around what the elements of what was being asked for were, were going to do to the, the supply chain. And secondarily, I certainly would have spent some time in testing with my decorator to understand that whether or not they had a good understanding of the time component of what was going to be required when the volume of the business started. And I think in many instances, and this isn't a knock on anyone, we're, we're all taught, we've been taught to do this is to say yes and work out the details later. But what you can find is I as the distributor and the decorator as well, in instances where we're talking about complexity and uniqueness or you know, it's a 5,000 piece order, but really it's 5,000 one piece orders because each of them is individualized. The process to make that happen is exponentially longer than the one order of 5,000 pieces. And unless you've spent time in testing to know exactly what that's going to do to the supply chain, it's really, really easy to paint yourself into a corner where the distributors said yes and not done it in a way that is supposed to be misleading or deceiving to anyone. And the decorators done the same thing. And so consequently, what you end up is well-intended people not being able to meet a deliverable for no fault of anybody's except for not spending the time to make sure that you could deliver on what you were trying to accomplish. So, um, you know, we're speaking about relationship again in a lot of ways, but, uh, you know, the end buyer will push you in places that you may not want to go unless you're willing to stand firm and say, I want to do this for you, but here's what's going to have to occur even beyond cost. Right. So cost, of course, you know, it's clearly true what you're saying as far as you know, hang tagging and polybagging and barcoding. Those are all important elements that definitely have a cost component, but it's even the time component that's as important when it comes to, especially when, you know, people want to tie you down on what's going to be the standard for the amount of time between when I place an order and when I can expect that to be delivered. So um, by all means, let's not stop saying yes. Let's just ask more questions. Yeah. I think something that everybody should remember is that there's two things that have ruined ruin the sales process. One is fast food drive-ins and the other is Amazon. So fast food drive-ins is because we know we can pull up somewhere in a matter of two minutes, we could get a complete meal. Okay. And so the expectation of how long things should take, I think that started it with that. Right. And now Amazon, and I'm a big fan of Amazon, I just ordered something from Amazon and it's here today already yesterday. Okay. They do great when it's a widget. Sure. Right. You know what they're not doing uh, as well is that completely customized 5,000 unit tube, but each one is individual customized and blah, 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 that you just described. Yeah. Okay. 
And so it's great if it's a, a new set of headphones or something else, but when it's a, a custom design on a custom shirt that's got to be polybagged and labeled and all these things that, that we do in this industry, okay, the, our customers still have that same mindset. They still think, well, how long could that take? Two days? Well, why not? What do you mean? What do you mean? Why not? Yeah. And and so the, the so one of the things I was just talking with somebody about this an hour ago is that it's our job to educate our customers on what it takes to do what we do. That's our job. Yeah. It, and so because they don't know any better. They don't know any of that stuff. And, and for some degree, they don't need to know how the sausage is made, right? Sure. Every little every little thing, right? They just need to know that, okay, well, the reason why, blah, 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 it takes this long is because of this. And you can just keep it simple so they can understand it. But they also have to know that there are other orders ahead of you. There's transit time. You know, when we order those 5,000 shirts, I bet you, if it's not some standard stock color, they're coming from two different warehouses. At least, you know, least. because you can't find all the sizes, right? So it, one's right here. The other one is all the way across the country, and that's four days. We can't even start the job until the shirts are here. Yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of these challenges we have to work through, and it's I think it's our job to talk to our customers and educate them about how things should happen and what we need to do to be successful. So we're meeting their expectations at the same time. Yeah. I was, I was envisioning sort of st standing on the dock at the decorator and Facebook living or FaceTiming with the customer just to give them a glimpse of like, okay, like I want to give you an idea of just what we need to do in order for what you asked of us to come true. Right. And, it, right. I think in a lot of ways, there, there would be a lot of uh, astonished looks on the other end of that line when, when we presented the sausage making, as you describe it, uh, to the people who are expecting that delicious and tasty sausage to be delivered to them uh, when it gets right. there, for sure. Uh, well, I've given a, a million shop tours over the years. I've, I've given you more than one. Yeah. And... Um, it, it's funny as you're walking people through and you're showing them how to do stuff. Uh, there's two things I'm always struck by. One is, Oh, I didn't know you did embroidery. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, 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 and the other is, Oh, that's what a flash is. You've been charging me for a flash for years. I never understood what that is. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean to set up charge? What I don't I don't believe you. Like why is that's just profit taking on your part? And it's like I okay. Right. Yeah. Hey, and where are you keeping my screens? Where are you keeping you, know, you charge me a screen fee? They should be around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. So again, there's there's a whole nother episode in that one right there. But okay, so um so uh I I'm being told and I, I'm hearing it more and more um about this idea of transparency. And that distributors are hearing, you know, at, at the Fortune 100, Fortune 500, you know, there's some demarcation point, but there's a lot of questioning going on at the end buyer level about transparency in the supply chain. So, you know, either either in the way that 
we're manufacturing the product safely, uh, social compliance, uh, you know, or even even more further and deeper into saying, you know, like what kind of good is the people we're buying these products for doing in their communities? You know, it's just like there's this promo cares thing that, you know, that I'm involved in and I'm swimming in that pool a lot these days, uh, both in what I'm seeing and hearing and, you know, the questions that I'm asking and the answers that I'm getting. So um, what, what are you seeing in that space um, and what I'm describing in, in decorated apparel? And do you feel like the, the decoration community is leading in this space or do you feel like maybe this is a lagging area for them when it comes to what we're talking about? Well, <laughs> that's a great question. The, um, here's my response. Um, we can do better. And uh, to me, there is a long road ahead of us, but I think for some degree we've made some good progress. So I I don't want to discount any of that. And um, so here's what I know is the the big boys, the major corporations, the Fortune 500, they have a thing that they're interested in, and you can read all about it. It's called the triple bottom line, okay, which is the social impact of how they do business, the environmental impact of how they do business, and the financial impact, you know, that's the money part. So the first two are really super important, and you're hearing more and more about that, especially as old farts like me <laughs> work their way out of the, uh, uh, out of the business community and new people were coming up because it's not just the millennials. It's the people after that. It's the, what, what are they? The generation Z, right? And um, so it's just one of these things where those people, that group, okay. Care more about the entire package of things than just what things cost because they want to know more. They're always digging. They're relentless. And here's the other thing is they hate talking to people. Okay? <laughs> they love looking stuff up online and texting about it. Yeah. Okay. They would rather do everything faceless. Right. So that's a whole nother way of selling. Right. But, um, it, but it's like one of these things where you have to have that social proof that you're involved, that that triple bottom line matters. So you're seeing some companies starting to take a stand in this. For instance, you know, Ryanet, um, which is an apparel industry supplier that sells ink and emulsion, and they also uh, sell uh, equipment. They started and created their own line of clothing called All Made, that's made from sustainable material that also is uh, made in a factory in Haiti and supports this whole community that's trying to do away with the, the orphan problem we have in Haiti. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, and there's, um, there's been a lot of talk about this company. There's, you know, and I, I know all those people. And so if you're, one of the things that I think people kind of need to kind of understand is we are the agents of change. If we want to partner with people who can sustainably print and decorate our shirts, 
We can, because there's people out there that do that. Okay. If we want a sustainable garment that's made more responsibly from recycled or organic material, we can get that. Okay. But chances are that stuff costs a little more. And that's the challenge is getting that and understanding what that is. Now, I want you to think about, Roger, uh, I don't know, six, eight, 10 years ago, right? The thought of spending $5 for a cup of coffee, people would laugh in your face. Sure. Right? So how many people listening today went to Starbucks? Right. And okay. didn't even think twice about so, it. Okay. And so that whole idea of selling coffee, which used to be 50 cents everywhere, right? Selling it at 10 times the value and people will line up for it. Okay. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. A, a couple, only a couple years ago in, in recent memory, right? How is doing better and selling a better shirt with a better story that's made more responsibly. Okay. How is that? Can be, that can be the same, right? That can, it doesn't have to be any different than that. I love it. That's good to know that, that that's going on. I mean, and what's what we haven't had happen yet is we haven't reached the critical mass that we will. And oh. I believe once we get there that you, you'll see a rush on the supplier side to try to meet that demand. Right. So uh, I used to be on the board of directors for an organization called the Sustainable Green Printing Partnership, which is sgppartnership.org. Uh, you can look them up. And this, this organization, its sole purpose is to drive sustainability in printing, not just in apparel, but all types of printing. Okay. And what you need to find is SGP certified printers to be able to decorate whatever you're doing, okay? And so the more of these decorators are out there, uh, the better uh, better we get with things. So you see a lot of stuff, uh, especially in the trade magazines, about sustainable clothes. And you see a lot of ads for that, sustainable apparel, right? But what there, what's unless it was written by me, <laughs> there isn't... Uh, there isn't anything in there about the decoration, and there really needs to be. And and so from a buyer perspective, until the buyers start demanding, hey, are you SGP certified? Because it's it's work to get the certification. There is a cost for the certification. Right. These printers aren't going to do yep. it. Okay. So I championed two printers that I worked for and got them to be SGP certified. Okay. And it's, it's about a, it's a year's worth of work. Okay. But what comes out of it is the fact that your shop is 15 times better operationally than it was when it started, because you're looking at every process that you do, you're standardizing things, you're reducing waste, you're driving the cost out of your, your way of printing. I can, I can, by the way, anybody listening, I can help them with that if they're interested in that. But it's like one of these things where um, you become such a great partner to that promo distributor that needs that seal of approval because they're doing business with the big boys, right? So that mega company 
who has an investment in triple bottom line thinking, when you have a decorator that has that certification, oh, yeah. you just wrote that's your ticket. For sure, no doubt. Right. So yeah. that's for anybody. So t- so it's sgppartnership.org, right? Yes, right. And uh, and I'm, I'll happily steer you to some decorators that have this certification. If anybody I'll, wants I'll to, I'll be sure to, to include that link in the show notes so that if anybody wants to pop out to that, they'll have a chance to do it. All right. So, final question, Marshall, and then we will let everybody get back to their day. So, uh, those those of us that uh, are individual contributors in the industry, you know, there's always this moment of truth where you you have an opportunity to decide to uh, do something for yourself. And you've been a consultant for not just five minutes. You've been a consultant for a while, but the last few years, you know, you, you now you're more like that's your thing. Being a coach and a consultant is really the primary driver of your business. So I wanted, I wanted to give you a chance. Like, was there a, was there a moment where you finally said to yourself, Hey, you know, I'm good. This is what I'm going to do. And if, if there was, you know, touch on that and then, for anybody who might be considering something similar as they're listening to your response, what advice might you give them um, if, if that's something that they're considering? Yeah. So um, I don't know. My career has always been weird anyway. <laughs> so, um, you know, I got into this industry through the back door. Uh, at one point I was in, you said it in the, um, the opening, I was working on my uh, graduate degree, which was in architecture at Florida A&M, which is in Tallahassee, Florida. And to pay for that, I started a small company that did fraternity and sorority shirts uh, to pay for my graduate school. And this is, this is back before computers. (laughs) I did everything by hand. This is a long time ago. Okay. And then I had the opportunity to, uh, the company that was printing my shirts for me moved from using yeah. a stack camera. Yeah. Yes, I'm that old to this new thing called the Apple. And there was this new program called Photoshop. And so I spent uh, my Christmas break teaching myself the program because I was right. already doing AutoCAD and went into it. Okay. And, uh, and so that's how I kind of got into the business and never left. And so I just quit graduate school. I became an art director and did that for a number of years. I'm not going to go into the rest of the thing, but, um, I've always enjoyed teaching when I've been managing employees, uh, when I've, uh, whether it was when I was an art director or when I was vice president or when I was chief operating officer, my biggest thrill has always been helping somebody and taking somebody, I can't tell you how many people that's just like, Oh, that person has so much potential. And they just, and just start giving them stretch projects and goals. And then in two or three years, yep. they're, they're running that department and they came in as just somebody who didn't know anything, right. Just off the street. And I've always enjoyed that. And, um, so in 2010 is when I started coaching and I've been going on and off full time to working at a, a company and that kind of stuff. But I've always kind of done it as the hobby, right? And, or side hustle, whatever you want to call it. And 
you know, I'll be 54 next month. I working in a shop is such a stressful grind. I really enjoy helping people. And I think it's just my time in the career where I can, uh, work with companies, work with people. I can make them better. And, and here's what I know is I don't uh-huh. know everything. <laughs> I don't. And there's I, nobody does. Nobody knows everything. All I really know is what I've done. Right. And that's what I write about in my blogs or in the articles for magazines. That's what I talk about on my own podcast. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with some other things. Um, I have a partner, uh, his name's Tom and we're starting a new, um, decorate apparel industry education event series called shirt lab. That's going to start in October. Our first event is in Columbus, Ohio. And, um, and that all comes from the same place, which is wanting to elevate the education in this industry, because I keep seeing people stubbing their toe on that same nail right. on the board, yep. <laughs> you know, And I know how you can step over that nail. I can show you how to step over that nail. And that's what I enjoy doing. And it's fun. And I'm a people person anyway. So it's, I get to work with people and help them out. And, you know, I primarily work over the phone. I'm on the, you know, I don't know, five, six calls a day now. Uh, But I do go to shops. I'm in, um, I'm fixing to leave for a, two week trip where I'm going to two shops, one, mm-hmm. one each week. And, uh, so it's like one of these things where it, I think it's really working out for me and I'm very excited about it. I also, on my website, I sell eBooks and my eBooks are a way to distill a lot of the content that I'm teaching shops into an eBook that they can consume at their own leisure. Uh, all the eBooks have, uh, spreadsheets and uh, uh, templates and stuff that you can use and you can make it so you don't have, like, for instance, I have one called the Shop Basic Info Pack uh, where I give templates to write business plans. I give a template to write an employee handbook and there's a section on branding and there's also a dashboard system so you can take your screen print press metrics and put it in a dashboard and all the formulas are already built. So it pops out all of your numbers and you really don't have so to do a whole lot of work. In your spirit of and, giving and uh, turned it into actionable items. And you know, what I love about it is that you, you're not asking the world of people from a financial commitment perspective in order to have access to it. So to me, that's, that's sort of where the rubber meets the road and that, this, that this self-discovery process is, You know, if you feel like you have stuff to give that's worthwhile, that is beyond perhaps the four walls of the place that you are allowing the benefit of your expertise without necessarily getting the same return on what you're giving. And in a lot of ways, I feel like, at least for me, that's that's where the fork in the road happens for a lot of folks in deciding to move beyond just being the individual contributor for one place and doing it for as many people as possible, right? Yeah. I I mean, uh, it's funny. I was talking with my wife the other day and I really don't know how I took this branch in the road. (laughs) You know, it's like, I kind of just wound up here. You know, it's one of these, it's one of those things. You're just, you're just here. 
And, uh, but I'm really enjoying it and it's a lot of fun and, um, and I'm working with some great shops and, and, uh, so if you're out there, you need some help, please reach out to me and, uh, you can find me on my website at atkinsontshirt.com and there's a bunch I, of stuff on there I, for I, you. I, you have my personal recommendation, Marshall, like I, like I said in the beginning, you know, you've, you saved my butt on more than one occasion, and I, I know what you know, you know what you're talking about. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to spending more time with you in the future. Yeah, well, thanks, Roger. It's been a blast. Next time. Appreciate it.